I fell into a ring of fire. I fell in. Hello and welcome to Fever FM. Uh, top of top of the evening, gents, and top of the table. Uh, I'm joined by Dale, Dave, and Cam. Uh, no Helena today. It's a pretty auspicious moment. Top of the table, uh, full round in. How are we feeling about that, Dave? Well, we're feeling pretty good, I would imagine, and sweeping the awards for coaches and players of the month as well. I mean, yeah, good point. I don't think we've ever had so many accolades before. No, I mean. All in one week. So that's um, Alex Paulson winning uh, Player of the Month. Uh, who was it? Was Foster, um, Michaela Foster winning Player of the Month? For... No, Riley, Riley Foster. Foster, sorry. Um, winning Player of the Month for uh, the women's and Paul Temple winning uh, Coach of the Month for the women's and uh, Chiefy winning Coach of the Month for the men's. That's it. Is, I mean, everyone's starting to kiss the season goodbye that I've I've seen uh, in the chats. Just it can't it can't keep going like this. We've used it all up in a week. Um, so typical of the Phoenix fans <laughs> fan base, and it? it's like, oh, we can't, we can't, we can't keep doing this. We can't. Why not? We deserve it. We 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 deserve to be top. We're beating the people that we need to beat. Not we're completely unbeaten. We're scoring goals. I don't care about anything else right now. I'll take. A whole season of games that we saw on the weekend if we end up winning the league for them. So, and I'd, if you're a Phoenix fan and you don't feel like that, then take a look at yourself because you should be. Okay. Um, in face of this relentless optimism, Dale, do we deserve it? In a way, we kind of do. Um, you know, we've been very tough to beat, um, obviously, because we haven't been beaten. We're, we're you know, defensively very sound. We don't give up many opportunities tough to break down and we've been clinical up top um I'd, obviously i'd hope to be top i'd rather be top six games to go rather than six six games in um but like i said last week yeah we're outperforming our our uh what we expect to score and outperforming what we expect to succeed so um that doesn't it's probably unlikely to stay that way for a long long period of time so at some point i think those two will converge and we will probably pick up some some losses and stuff but um, you know, like I think, you know, look around the, the rest of the league and, and other clubs have, you know, lots of deficiencies. You know, Western Wanderers have got to picked up a couple of injuries. Um, you know, Melbourne City haven't been that great. You know, some of the ones you'd expect, you know, Sydney haven't been that great either. Um, some of the ones you'd expect to be at the top have, have not been performing consistently well um, and have looked shaky at times and looked susceptible to against, you know, oppositions. So... I think we've probably been perhaps the most consistent. I don't know if that means we're the best side, but I think at the moment we're certainly the most consistent. Yeah, that's a valid comment. Certainly the defensive side has been relatively impressive. It seems like that's something that Chiefy's focused on. Um, let's go through the um, uh, lineup, and you kind of see that, again, that very typically defensive setup. Uh, so Paulson and Gold, Kelly Hill, Wooten, Sermon, and Payne across the back line. Uh, Al Tay Rufa and Pennington in the in the I guess the DM spot. Uh, 
Protégé Crab and Costa Barbarousis and David Ball in that front attacking third. It, the um, formations, I never place a tremendous amount in them, but nominally they're either a 4-2-2-2 or a 3-5-2 or any number of things that the app kind of comes up with. But it's feeling it's feeling very Christmas tree adjacent. Would that be a fair uh, assessment, Dave? I don't know why you're throwing this to me. We were there was large debate about how wrong you were about our formations before the pod. I'm gonna leave I'm gonna leave that to Cam and Dale to tear you apart. I'm not <laughs> well no, no, I, I my thinking was that uh, we play a four five one and then we just run it if we get the ball we run up the other end. There's not a tremendous amount of structure in that attacking play, but I'm willing to be corrected. That's very different to the discussion that we had prior to this podcast. I was talking about what they were nominally, which was that they go in the book as a four-two-two-two, which I don't think they are. Man, that's a, that's which a hard which book is this? Is this one you're thing. writing from? No, kind of comes. Is this a book you're working on? If it was a book I was working on, it'd be a work of fiction. That's for fucking sure. Um, I think we can we can all agree that we play we play a four with a three. There's four defenders. There's definitely three holding midfielders in here, Alte, Rufer, and Pennington, one of whom pushes forward on attack. Yeah. To be fair, both, two of them might push forward on attack, you could argue, with the fullbacks pushing forward as well. Um, but nominally, there are three sixes uh, sitting in there with a 10 and a 9 and maybe a 9 and an 11. So it's it's definitely not looking that Christmas tree-ish to me. It's looking quite fluid, which is to me to, to me that is the, the the hallmark of the team playing on the fast Blake who's looking for sub- defensive solidity first to not lose games and then take the opportunities they create quickly at the end yeah on your fluidity point there cam I um, watched this game uh, I, I missed the start and jumped in about 30 minutes after it started and at one point Alte was playing right back and I was like oh it's Tim playing not playing but he was up at you know up past halfway and, and right spot when we were playing the ball around the back so there is definitely a um i think that kind of three-man midfield does give you some flexibility in what you do with the rest of your players because it means you know someone can cover uh, a cover a spot obviously when timpan goes forward and i think you see nicholas pennington um and i'll uh, i'll put my uh pennington appreciation cap um on and um so i think he covers like a lot of ground and, and more often than not you'll see him up at the edge of the box, inside the box, um, more than many of the other sort of defensive midfielders. So while he, that might be his sort of starting position, um, his his the distance he travels, I think he gets around the, the, the pitch a lot. So I think that three-man midfield gets you quite a bit of flexibility in the system we're trying to play. So I think that's why you kind of argue a little bit over formations, but I think it's, it's, it's fluid enough that you can kind of see different things at different points in time. That Pennington appreciation cap that you've got on, it looks pretty new there, Dale. Is it, it doesn't get pulled out of the box very often. No, I think I see. I, quite, quite shiny, maybe made of tinfoil. Definitely dusting it off pre-pod. <laughs> no, I, I think you borrowed it from hard news. No, 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 no. I, I, I had, I've previously last year said that I, I think he's maligned. He should, he's, he's misunderstood. He like. He's, he's got some good things to his game. He's obviously got some bad things in his game. And I think this season he's worked out more how to play to his strengths. 
and perhaps the system plays more. I, I actually think it's chiefly has worked out a system that suits the way he plays. It's the same with Costa, exactly the same thing happening with Costa, is that the style of football, this is probably why Chiefy wanted to keep him run, the style of footballer they are, whatever their strengths and weaknesses happen to be, sit very well within the system and the scope that uh, Chief is giving them within that system. So it, it, it's not so necessarily that Pennington's playing within his capabilities, more that Chiefy knows really well what they are and how to get the best out of them. You bring up a, a very good thing there, Cam. Costa, I, I can't remember seeing him play this well in recent memory, even even when he was playing for Sydney and Melbourne. I don't. He, he's proving to be quite the asset. I mean, I've noticed Norm, um, he's getting back and defending and getting forward and doing a pretty good job at both. And it looks like his confidence is there now. I mean, how are you guys seeing it? Similar or is this... Is this a renaissance or is this kind of just a system that he needs? Yeah, I think your, your point about defending is, is, if I add a little bit of nuance there, I think, you know, in the previous system, he was defending wide areas. And so I think when we won the ball, he was very isolated. So his ability to kind of pick up the ball and, and run an attack is, I think, a little bit more challenging, right? Because you, you're kind of constrained by, you know, the right wing. But I think in this the system here, when he does drop and defend, it's far more centrally. So it's sort of packing that middle area because we've got three defensive midfielders. They can cover the wide areas and he's picking up the ball in much more um, advanced spaces and in spaces where he's got a, a much bigger range to push forward in. So he's got, you know, the middle of the park can go left or right as opposed to picking it up on the right flat and only going <laughs> into the touchline essentially. So I think I think that's helping him as well. It's, it's, he's, he's getting much more chances to run into spaces that are, are dangerous and i think that's what we're seeing I, th- I also see it slightly differently as well actually i see because it appears we are inviting the press and then breaking quickly with a wide switch that suits costa as well because again he's getting the ball in the more advanced space but because he's getting in that more adva- advanced space with a press behind him and to the side of him he's getting that space to run into as well so he's got a lot less defensive cover in front of him and it, <clears throat> the opportunities he's created so far this season in multiple games have been because he has been able to run into that without the sea of defenders being in front of him too so i think i just think that style of play suits him very very well because if his ability has always been obviously quick feet running at the ball running at defenders and making them commit when they don't want to and if he's got the space now to be able to do that that can only be good for him this season yeah I think as well part of it might come back to something frosty hinted at there of it looks like he's playing with more confidence too and I think I think part of that might be some of the stuff you guys are talking about there where the effort is proving more rewarding for him as well you know being in better areas when he's picking up the ball and having a bit more space to work with um, makes it kind of more rewarding to to you know it's not like he's a young man anymore he's not he's not getting younger so you kind of have to conserve that energy a little and if you're running back and you do win the ball you do all the hard work and you're caught in a corner with nowhere to go you might be a bit more hesitant to make that run next time whereas I think he's enjoying his football he's playing a bit more confidently because 
the things he's putting the effort into are more rewarding. You know, he is breaking the line. He's getting some space to run into. He's got people to play the ball to. And all of that stuff makes it a bit easier to go for that next run. You know, it makes it a bit easier to dig a little deeper and find that next little piece when it's going well, rather than you put on all that effort and it goes to shit on you. You're probably not going to dig deep the next one, right? Uh, Something I've kind of noticed, and I'm not sure if this is kind of anecdotal, is that the the Costa of old, I, I remember seeing as an outlet and he was always way wide you know he was working in that final five meters of the width of the pitch and having no real space to go and not being a big bloke you know he's not able to force the issue as easily whereas this season he's looked a lot more central is is that something that's kind of helping him just that being a little more central not being so isolated and having a few more players around him do you think that that suits his game better as well i think in the sense that you know he probably isn't as as quick as he used to be so getting you know pushing beyond um, fullbacks is probably a bit more challenging when he's kind of running it, maybe lumbering centre-backs. It's it's a bit easier and he's looking a bit more, you know, agile than they are. So I think, you know, maybe he's, his game's, you know, evolved a little bit where he's still doing that, but he's just running at different people who are um, mm. not able to, you know, move as, as agile or quickly as, as he, as some other players. We're we're obviously seeing the these very advanced fullbacks as well, um, and Tim Payne seems to have come into his own. I, I must admit, I'm very surprised about how well Tim Payne has, uh, and I'm not sure why I keep calling him Tim Payne as opposed to Payne. But anyway, um, he he seems to have taken to that a lot better than I thought it was. I always considered him a very defensive fullback at best, but he's getting high, taking shots, getting good crosses in. Is this something you guys have spotted before, and you think that you were not surprised at all? Uh, I, I wonder if it's it's a bit of a um, again, maybe look, not quite confidence, but having a bit more clarity on what his role in in the team is. You know, previous years he's been floating between, you know, centre back, full back. This year he's been able to have a whole full preseason playing there. Um, you know, having a, probably a different fitness regime to support that. Also having the ability to you know push on and have someone in one of those central midfielders to, to cover you, whereas previously perhaps we didn't. You know being able to be a bit more confident to push forward and knowing that you know when we do press um, pass through presses that he's in a bit more space. I think that's probably all helped. And you know like he's gone from like not scoring in five seasons to probably having three very good chances um, in the first six rounds to score. So he could quite easily have scored three goals already this season. So I probably just highlights kind of he's getting far more touches in the box up and near, near the box than he has at all uh, in previous seasons. Let's um, bring it back to the the game at hand. I, I'm probably skirting away from it because it wasn't the wasn't the greatest watch uh, from a purist point of view. Um, a lot of alternating peaks of domination rather than either an e- so overall kind of an even game, but these massive peaks for either team where they dominated for patches, got three or four shots off, and then the other team would go. Was this just two teams who play a bit of a a counter-attacking game, or was it just two teams that weren't on their game? Uh, What what were the kind of reasons you guys saw for that, that patchiness? I mean, the start, the start of the game, they, they pressed us very hard. And that showed we were, I think, I don't don't know if we were necessarily surprised by it, but we certainly looked under pressure from it. That's for sure. Um, I wouldn't say we ever looked like 
it was completely dominating us, but it certainly was keeping us very deep in our own half, you know, far, far more touches from Paulson than I think you would have liked to have seen. And, you know, there was, there was a lot of that, but it never, it never looked worried. It never looked too much like it was going to spiral out of control, but it certainly meant 15 minutes to start the game. We were under a lot more pressure than I think we were kind of expecting to be. And to be honest, they could easily have nicked a goal during that period, you know, one small mistake and we were one nil down. Um, luckily that pressure didn't really seem to come to much, for them, but I think it. I think it probably was a. I think we were talking about this a little bit before the pod. I think probably a fitness issue that if they'd been able to keep that up for a, a significant portion of this game, it might have gone quite differently. But really, after fifteen minutes, that to ease off on it a little, and it, it, I think I think that might have been part of the the ebb and flow nature was that you know they were trying things for periods, but they didn't have the kind of ability to keep that up for say a whole half. And so when they eased back on it, the game opened up for us a bit. And that's where we started to kind of come into the game and control and dominate a lot more and, and to be honest, create chances. But as we've talked about, our formation is not really, um, it's not really that kind of sit back, pass around the top of the D and build an attack, right? That's not really what we're looking to do moving forward. And so suddenly we had some possession, but again, we're still kind of looking to counter with it. And yeah, I think that just lends itself to the sort of game you, you saw we've seen this kind of game be i don't want to say flourish but certainly uh, it looks like david ball kind of suits that counter-attack a little more than oscar zawada um but obviously doesn't bring that firepower that that he does is this something that you know when with zawada not starting is this something that might have to be tweak slightly with zawada coming back in or do we just think that this is it we're just he's going to have to involve that midfield a little more what adaptations do you kind of see to that if we're going to persist with that game that have have to kind of come in well the wider strength is around the box isn't it really good hold up play but his strength is around the box i can't see yeah i can't he would have to make a massive change within his his normal scope to start playing the guy that wins the ball in midfield or slightly higher up. You see, it's a it's it's quite a significant change, but he seemed to have fitted him in okay so far this season. Um, he's got four goals right, but he's only scored in two games, I think. I mean, I th- I think it's I I don't I don't necessarily think the package that Zwarte has necessarily fits the um, the style that um, Chief wants to play. But he's so lethal in the box, you can't not have him on the field. And you just need to make sure you can get him in positions where he can finish in, around the box. And, yeah, it's um, it's a nice conundrum to have, to be fair. Mm. We we saw a couple of those chances kind of drop to other players in that first half. The one that comes to mind is um, uh, Weston turning over the ball and presenting it very nicely to uh, Kryev, who kind of snatched that shot and just uh, slid it wide. Is this, um, if we're going to be playing that low percent, the low position counter-attack, is that, is that the sort of th- ones that we have to uh, take, or is this just nice-to-haves? No, that, that, he should have put that away. I think he'll be disappointed with himself. He didn't do better there. He should at least have hit the target. Oh, it's, for um, sure. But similar to, similar to Zawada against Perth. The first goal where he got the ball and didn't even look up and he just slotted it home from way out because uh, Ollie was off his line. In that situation, if you're getting a free shot at goal with just the keeper to beat, 
the minimum with that time and space he had more time and space i think than mm. he realized the minimum you do is he's hitting the target and making the keeper work for it if the keeper makes a save there you credit the keeper because it's going to be an excellent save but he's missed the target entirely and you probably could have taken another couple of touches before a defender would have got to him so what about you dale um is this is this sort of clinical thing are we still producing enough chances that we don't have to score every opportunity or is this something that we're going to have to tighten up on as the season progresses and everyone improves? I think part of our strategy is, is trying to create the best chances of the game, not necessarily the most chances. Like I think I'd say maybe for most of the games we've, and this is me just trying to rake my brain. I'd say we've probably been out shot and probably just about all of them, but you look at this game as a prime example, they've had 50% more chances, I think, but, the chances they did have, I thought, were quite low percentages, whereas it was our ones. You know, we had a couple of very good chances, um, excluding the goal that was scored. You know, um, there was the, the paint and ball combination. The Zawada, um, the cry of one. Zawada had that volley from outside the box. So, you know, I think we're definitely playing the odds here. We're, we're, we're trying to create the, the best clear-cut chances and taking them as opposed to, you know, trying to mass it amount. Yeah, I think, like, Western... John Alessi was talking post-game about, oh, you know, we've been dominating teams, but haven't been able to win. And I, I went back and had a look at their stats, and, and they create lots of chances, but they're all crappy chances. Like, they created zero big chances in this game. Like, all their chances, if you look at the XG, were below 15% ch- of scoring. They've, had, they've created four big chances in six games. And I think a big chance is, is a 20% sc- you know, strike um, chance. Whereas we're up at I don't know, thirteen or fourteen, so we were three for this game alone. Yeah, I mean, you can talk about creating, you know, lots of chances, but if they're shitty chances, you know, you're going to need quite a few of them to to eventually score one on, on average. So, uh, I, yeah, I think I think, you know, we're more than happy for them to for teams to yeah, um, shoot from outside the box, and we're going to trust ourselves to that Paul Symbol will t- you know save the ones or or you know um, we'll block quite a lot of them so um yeah i think yeah we don't need to score every big chance but it'd be nice to you know get a couple of um be a bit more com- um, comfortable with some of these victories those some um, those big chances turn into your five two wins right so the game that we did against perth where we took those big chances when they came whereas if we're that clinical we score three or four every game everyone would love that <laughs> there'll be people be coming in in droves in the crowd so you say do we need to i think yes we do need to uh for not just the peace of mind of the fans who turn up every week but perhaps for the dollars coming in the door at the same time yeah i mean you, you do mention um alex paulson there he's had another barnstormer i mean this is turning into quite the consistent patch obviously player of the month but um i think he's been our player of the match all but one game maybe at least two-thirds of the games. I think he didn't get it for the, for the Zawada hat-trick game, but beyond that, I think he's pretty much yeah. been the player of the match every game. Yeah, I mean, um, there's kind of two two discussion points here. Is, are we relying too much on him? Oh, I mean, obviously, you, you, you'll take it every time, right? But is this, is, is this something that we're kind of relying on him having these good games? And how long before a... a another club comes calling him. I I realize realize he's only 21, but he's had, what, a third, a quarter of the season and been outstanding. Um, I think on your first question, 
I think somewhat it's clouded by the two penalty saves, I think, because they are big opportunities in it at the time. We're, we're big in the context of the game, the games. Other than that, the, I, I can't recall like a, a shot that I just thought, like, like, you know, world-class, like lots of their saves. And I think this goes back to my point about the low percentage chances the opposition have is that lots of them are what you'd expect most keepers to do. Um, perhaps not in the, <laughs> like, not maybe not the average A-league keeper, but, you know, a decent A-league keeper, you'd expect them to, to, to do what he has done. And I think that the two Piero saves, I think, sort of pushes his performances up for, for obvious reasons. Only second point in terms of overseas, I mean, who, who really knows? Um, like, I'm just trying to think of previous, recent A-league keepers have gone overseas. He hadn't exactly done themselves well. Barry Giddy went to, you know, Scotland and I think and stunk it up quite a bit. I think Glover has gone to Middlesbrough and I don't think he's played, if I can recall correctly. So, you know, whether that is a sort of barometer for whether other um, other clubs see the relative, you know, quality of, of keepers in the A-League, I don't know. I think Paulson, I think I can make three brilliant saves he's made beyond the penalties. Um, there was, I think, two of them in the Western Sydney game, first game of the season, where we were definitely outplayed, and he's made a couple of saves he did not deserve to, to make. Uh, no keeper did. He's, he's pulled off some great saves. But I agree the penalties do, to an extent, um, shade the decision-making. Because they were good. They were good. You know, anytime you save a penalty is going to be worth it. And with, with effectively one of them's uh, won us the game uh, beyond the goal, right? Um, I don't think we lose Paulson this season. I don't think anybody comes in and grabs him this season. Um, because effectively he's only played six games. And six games is not enough for someone from a massive club to or a club overseas to go, actually we're going to grab you in the January transfer window. Unless they've got a massive, massive problem. Again, he's only 21. He's not proven. So I don't see anything happening with him until the end of the season at the earliest. And maybe not for another couple of seasons yet. Um, he's doing a great job. And I do hope in the future that for the sake of you know New Zealand football as the big NZF, that you know he does get an opportunity at a big club overseas and he takes it with both hands. But I don't think we have to worry about that in the next season or two. Yeah, I, I completely agree with everything you guys are saying. But I think I think there's one kind of part to your question you're asking there that might not have been answered, and that's around whether or not um, his performances are kind of maybe helping paper over some cracks of us not not scoring enough goals and it's one of those ones of, you know, we're, we're getting tight wins and that's great. But if you, and, and the penalties factor into this, but he is outperforming the expected goals against at the moment, right at the back. We, we know that to be true. The penalties obviously are a big factor in that, but even still he is um, not conceding as many goals as the XG against him regardless. So you have to think, you know, if we concede the odd extra goal here or there, does it lose us games? Maybe, but for the most part, it probably turns wins into draws, which is still, compared to your average Phoenix season, not a bad outcome, right? You know, draws can get you a long way in this league. So I think, obviously, we we would like to take more of our chances up front, but we are playing a game where we're not expecting to put a team to the sword and beat them 5-0, right? We're playing a game where we want to be defensively sound, not give away those easy goals, and get 
one or two at the other end and just get across the line. So when you play that style of game, you might turn a win into a draw every now and again, but you're probably not going to biff it away 2-0 because of that style of play, right? You're going to be tight. It's going to be a tight game. Uh, Dave, I want to come back to um, a phrase you used, not your typical Phoenix season. Is this... The, is this um, are, are we getting a little bit the uh, cart before the horse in a way being so relatively successful and kind of expecting these highest higher standards to be maintained or is this just kind of like we have to accept we've had this amazing start to the season doesn't normally happen but eventually the curve will come out i think dale, uh, dale you've alluded to this as well even even if we bomb it from here right i think to say it's still not a typical season would be accurate um, we've, you know, typically we don't start strong. Typically our best part of the season is later in the season. Um, a, a good season generally has that run carry on towards the finals push. Our typical season though, has a good mid season and then maybe tapers off and we end up finishing sixth or whatever. But so either way, even if we do bomb it from here and end up finishing, just scraping into the playoffs, it still would be atypical. Um, obviously chief will be doing everything can to keep that together, but Either way, this is not what we normally see. And if I think it was the A-League account itself last night was tweeting out about um, teams that go undefeated through six have won something like 50% of the Premier's plates. Um, This season, however, is totally different because there are four teams that have gone through undefeated and they can't all win the Premier's plate. So it's, yeah, it's a strange old season. And for once, we're in the mix with it. I think it would really depend on how how healthy our first team stays like i think below maybe one or two subs i think there's a little bit of a drop off there like i I watched quite intently um conchi when he came on he just and he just looked a little bit confused (laughs) like he just wasn't he was looking around he wasn't really sure what his role was i think he touched the ball four times in you know almost 20 minutes in defensive midfield so i i think you know if we can stay fit and healthy you know and have pretty much the same starting 11 then yeah we'll probably go okay i think if if we get two or three you know injuries then i think you know we might start to struggle like you know the women have lost you know three almost three starters in the first six weeks they're at like if we had if we lost three starters the rest of the season i think we'd be we'd be poked you want your your countries to be playing twenty minutes and not ninety. I think is the is the key. You want him to, you want to blood him amongst the ten other first teamers who are actually still starting, right? Rather than going having to rely on him to play full ninety for ten twelve weeks because of your injury. So, you you're exactly right. If, if as long as we can give those young guys the minutes they need in an environment where they're not entirely pressured to do the main job for the whole stretch of the season then i think we'll be in uh, in a good stead for finishing you know in a, in, in a decent position yeah i think um i don't want to labor on the point but i think that i think that's most highlighted at center back like you know uh, wooten and, and sermon have been you know outstanding this season both have been significantly better than they have in, in previous seasons but what's your next step down it's Who's your, who's your next choice? It's Tim Payne? Like, there's just not a lot of depth there. Um, so if we were to lose one... It... I, th- I think it, on that, you'd put Tim Payne in and you'd bring in a fullback. I think that's genuinely the shout that you would do. But, yeah, I think that's a, that'd be a big... That's a, that's a yeah, that's a big red risk, risk factor in, in my risk register if I'm, if I'm chiefy. 
I, I think you're right, but to counter it slightly, what we've seen from Chiefy, I mean, we we before the season we were talking about how we thought some of these kids he, you know, was going to have to start. We're going to be out of their depth, right? We thought he was going to struggle with the kids he had to play, and he is getting a hell of a lot out of the kids. So I think, much as I agree with you, that is where our biggest risk lies. I think we also are seeing that Chiefy is a very good coach in terms of getting those those younger players to understand what they need to do and focus in with some clarity on their roles. You know, you talked about with Tim Payne, but I think it's equally true with those young players. If he had to throw some of them in at the deep end for 90 minutes, I think there would be some very clear chats around what their role was going to be, what they're expected to do. And he seems to be able to get that little bit more out of them than other coaches might be able to. So maybe it won't be as bad as it potentially would have been under a, a different coach who didn't seem to have that same ability to get his kids you know, playing at a really good level. I mean, Kelly Heald's a great example of that, you know, completely unblooded and he's in there looking like he's been there forever. Yeah, I think it's also a good shout for the academy too, to be honest, uh, what they're doing within the academy space and how they're teaching these guys about understanding their roles from an, a younger age right through until they actually get that opportunity at A-League so they're able to take on that, on board that information and, you know, apply it in the right way. I think it, it's been... Uh, it's quite um, noteworthy that we haven't even really discussed Kelly Heald up to this point. He's just slotted in so naturally and done such a solid job. I mean, he had his wee blip with the handball, obviously, but um, the, that he's not, we're not kind of going, oh, well, he's young, he's learning. We just haven't even had to mention it at all. I think it was amazing. Um, Sermon, I'm less surprised about just because when he played at the under-20s, he looked the part and he was playing against some pretty storied opposition at times. Um, but you do make a good point about Conchi. He hasn't looked good coming on. Sutton looks short of a gallop and fullback is somewhere we are really lacking. If Kelly Heald goes down, I'm genuinely not sure who you could put on, let alone would put on. Um if Sermon or Wooten goes down, then probably Payne slots in, or sorry, Kelly Heald slots in. You can bring Sutton and you've got an option. But yeah, just sorry, that right back option just doesn't look there. I mean, is this something that we need to have an option for? Or are we just crossing our fingers? I think Chiefy's mentioned that, that they are looking at a potential import player in January. I think they're kind of sniffing around to see what's kind of on the radar but yeah no i think i think left back sutton goes there i think you've probably been a little bit harsh no he does he's asking a little bit of you know, reasonably few minutes and coming off quite a long long layoff oh no, that's fair right back yeah i think i think alte just goes in there but again i don't think it's it's clearly not it's, it's bigger drop and then there's implications on 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 central midfield so um, I don't know where Chiefy thinks his his concerns are, but um, I think attacking, I think attacking wise, like I think we've got enough there to muddle together a a different range of options if if someone goes down um, or someone gets sold in the in the you know in January. But I think that sort of back that back four, I think yeah, particularly the back uh, the centre backs, I think is the the risk. But but then I don't know. Where you get any replacement, you know, you know, do you do you waste money on an import just as a backup? Um, is that? I mean, obviously, with January drawing closer, Dave, is that something that you would kind of dip into, or is this kind of we're top of the table, let's not tinker with things? 
I mean, he doesn't strike me as a tinkerer, but I, I think similar to Dale, I would struggle to know where Chiefy thinks his, his weak spot is. You know, if I if I had an import slot to spend, I look at the squad, and honestly, I don't know what I would look to spend the slot on. Um, I think depth is clearly the thing, but do you just try and get some kind of utility player who can cover some of your gaps? I don't know. It's a, it's a hard one. I, I think obviously he will be aware that, you know, the A-League, you are going to have some injuries. It's a long season. There's a very congested patch around that that Christmas New Year period where the loading's going to be different, and that's probably your riskiest period. So I'm sure he'll have that in the back of his mind. But I honestly, you'd be, it's it's true crystal ball gazing to try and um, guess where Chief, Chiefy thinks his, his gap is in the squad, because I honestly don't know. Okay, let's look forward to the game against the Jets. Uh, Jets have not exactly been flying high, forgive the pun. Uh, Sitting currently ninth uh, with five points from six games. Back home, I mean, realistically, we're not expecting to see anything different, are we? No. I think uh, injuries dependent. I think we see the same lineup. Zawada probably coming back in for ball and ball going back to the bench if Zawada's up to 90. Otherwise, I think it's a team that started last week. Are we expecting to see um, more minutes for Ben Old? He's obviously getting a few more now, but is this starting to get to the point where he's getting like 30, 40 minutes? I think it's game dependent rather than anything else. I think he, he won't start. Like it, the, I don't, I don't think he'll come into equations for the start. But if he's, um, you're not just going to bring him on to get thirty to forty minutes in his legs. You're going to bring him on at sixty minutes if you need him for half an hour. You bring him on at eighty if you're chasing it and you need him for ten. You see what I mean? So I don't, I don't necessarily think if he's not fit to do ninety, he'll be fit to do forty-five. But you'll use him for the period of time you need him, not for the period of time you want to get minutes into his legs for. Yeah, I don't. I don't think his goal means you, you start him or anything like that. I think, I think he's found quite a a good little niche spot of you know coming on when legs are tiring a little bit and there's a bit more space opening up and he he can use his, you know, um, his dribbling and his a bit more pace to to target some some tiring defenders. I think that's what he's um, he's been doing well this season and and you know um, plenty of players in the A League have made a you know, career about it being being the substitute man. Um, that might not be, you know, his goal long term, but I think at the moment now, um, he he's made that kind of quite a, a handy. I think he's got the attributes to be quite a handy, you know, um, for one of the better word, you know, impact player um, as the as the game wears on. Um, the Jets are looking scratchy to say the least. I think um, managed a tool draw with um, the Wanderers. Um, beat Western United, but have lost to the Mariners, Melbourne City and uh, Victory, who are all not playing their best football. Surely this is a three-point target for the Knicks? Yeah, I think so. I think, wow, I think that's certainly what we'll be targeting, right? You know, when you're top of the table, you should be believing you could beat anyone. But I think a team that are coming off the sort of run of form that Newcastle are, you've got to be thinking there's points here. And from memory, our record against them in Wellington's pretty good as well. So all, all signs, I think, would say three's the target here, not anything less. 
But it's a Phoenix, so this is where the wheels fall off because it's the first time we really go into a game this season going, yeah, we should really win. We really should win. And I know we've been in I've I know we've been in that position many times in the past. I can name some of them. I remember you guys did a podcast about one previously, Dave, where we should have won a game and uh, it's all falling apart. So I don't want to be quite as optimistic. Sure, we should be targeting three, but yeah, it, it, let's just calm it down a little. It's it's incredibly refreshing to hear those words coming out of your mouth, Cam, for once, <laughs> rather than the relentless optimism of being dead last with no points on the table facing the top of the table, and you're going easy three points. Of course we win it. So for once, we're I've, never, into I've a game never been that optimistic, you're... not that optimistic, but yes, I, I, <laughs> I am excited. As I said at the start, I'm over the moon. We're on the top. We should be celebrating hard that we are top of the table and we deserve to be top of the table. And let's, you know, if, if you're not celebrating that we're top of the table and you're all, you know, glum about what, how the season's gone thus far, then take a look at yourself. But, this game is traditionally is where the sort of thing that the Phoenix would um, would uh, fall apart for. So whilst we've got to go in expecting three, let's just, you know, take it as it comes on the night. Let's get on to uh, talking about the women because there has been a few, uh, well, discussion points, I think, um, with uh, that side of the fence, um, even with the international break. Uh, we've had Chloe Knott, who's out of the middle of the, middle of the season has retired um, and had some things to say. We've had uh, Marissa van der Meer who has gone down with an ACL injury ending her season. So that's two players who have um, left the Knicks. This is kind of interesting times for the the, the uh, women's team at the moment. Dale, it's um, what's what's the route from here? What's, what's the first thing on the list? here for um, temps to get going again? Is it just get them back on the field, get them focusing on football, or is it I, we need to get people in? Yeah, well, it sounds like he's trying to do both. Um, I think, yeah, I think even before Vandermeer's injury, um, there was talk of, of him finding two replacements. I think one he flagged as potentially an international player and one um, had been former someone having former A-League experience. So that was before that injury. Um, so that's, I guess, good that that process is already ongoing. Sounds like um, at least one of them might be done this week, but not ready for the game. Um, so that's, you know, we've suddenly gone from, you know, having a midfield that was really strong and heaps of depth to losing, you know, two key players. Um, that depth has, has been tested now. And then with, you know, Van der Meer's injury gone, really question about how he plays that, whether he plays, you know, Kate Taylor back there um, and, and find someone else to play that holding midfield role or um, or um, Lake jumps into to centre back. I'm not really sure what my favourite favorite option there is, but it, they're, they're, they're less than ideal. Well, I think I think Lake's different. Yeah. I don't think there's any question. Yeah, I, I can't I can't see them stopping Taylor playing holding when she's been doing the job she has done so far this season, and uh, Lake is a ready-made replacement. So it's more for me below Lake. What happens beyond her if there's a if there's a change that you require during the season from this point forward? So they do need to improve the depth now because we've just because of those injuries we've now tested that depth. Yeah, for me, it, it almost isn't a question that Taylor goes back. It should be the first choice 
centre-back normal, normal circumstances, but losing Wiz and uh, not just leaves you a bit short there as well uh, in central midfield. So I don't know that Temps has got any choice at the moment. Um, and also, Taylor's playing very, very well. Yeah, I think maybe it depends on who the players that come in are. Um, Have you got any yeah, hints, Dale? Come on, I know you. I got, I got, well, I got nothing. But the, I mean, the former A League um, player. Uh, I mean, you think about who's just finished a season, and that's usually someone in Scandinavia. Um, so Hassett kind of springs to mind as as perhaps uh, one that would be probably quite handy. Uh, she was way with the Ferns, so she, I don't know if she's if she's joining the same players on the way back to Wellington uh, to sign a contract. You, you could look at um, MPL as well, mate. There's plenty of players who have played at uh, A-League level uh, currently playing in the second tier of Australia who would easily be accessible as well. Uh, like, I bet he has it. You'd be like, yes, absolutely. And then I think it's a question of is, is who of that squad is, you know, is the player coming in better than Kate Teller at defensive midfield? And if it is, then I think you drop Kate down, don't you? Like, if she's not, then you, you probably keep it as it is. If you're recruiting a six, yes, totally agree. If you're recruiting a six and she's better than Kate, hundred percent, Kate goes back to central defence. There's no, that's not a question. But if you're not recruiting a six, then it's hard to see them moving her back. Even if she's not as good as Kate, but is still kind of reasonable there, maybe you move Kate Taylor back. I feel a bit bad. I've been slagging off um, Vandermeer for her um, willingness to take uh, touches and go into contact, and now she's gone and done her ACL. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to have to live with that guilt. With uh, Chloe not leaving, this is a bit of an unusual one. Um, we don't tend to see players leave mid-season, barring, you know, career-ending injuries. And she has cited, well, a few different reasons, uh, life, money. Um, and she's also cited, would it be fair to say, the, the environment as well? Is this something that is just a one particular player is finding this found something a little awkward and just said something on the way out or is this just one of those things that sometimes happens i mean it's hard it's hard to say for sure but that's certainly the way the club want to paint it um so obviously the press release we got kind of focused very much on the kind of family and financial reasons which i think are fair enough in and of themselves and i don't think anyone um, would disagree with that stuff you know we know that the money going around the a-league woman isn't great um particularly if you've got other stuff like a partner living in another city you're paying a mortgage in one city renting in another like all that stuff is very real and very um understandable but i think as well um she talked about some stuff about finding that her i think i think the language used was around her values no longer aligning with those of the club which is an interesting phrase and God knows what it means, but it obviously suggests there's some kind of off-field stuff to it that's not just about the money either. Uh, but then we saw an interview with Riley Foster today. And I mean, honestly, there's a reason you put Riley up for this because yep. she is very good with the media and she's answered the hell out of those questions. But also there's little hints in there of what the, the other parts of it might be. And I think the biggest hint in there suggests that it's probably something older rather than something more current um riley talks a little about you know she can only talk about the current environment but does definitely mention um some stuff around potentially staff no longer at the club who are involved in something now whether or not that in 
of itself is everything that Chloe was upset about, or even if that was about Chloe, who knows? But let's assume this might have been something that was festering for a while and maybe just hasn't resolved itself as tidily as you know she would have liked and you know you've got the money woes you've got all the other stuff and a bit of a festering relationship thing it could be just that and that's certainly how the club would like it to be painted but really we don't have the full story from the other side either so it could be it could be a bigger problem it could be a whole culture issue when we're only hearing from the people who are willing to tow the company line at this stage it's really hard to tell but you'd think if there was a big culture problem in that dressing room we'd be seeing more signs of it on the field than we are. But conversely, I mean, we've noticed a few bits and pieces, you know, after the game of, you know, a few, uh, I don't even know the right word for it, but uh, robust discussions between players as they leave the field at halftime or full time about, you know, things that had happened in the game. And maybe that's a sign of some niggle within that environment too. But honestly, only time's going to tell in this one. Um, I think I think that's all we can really say. Uh, could this uh, uh, so a possible theory that um, entered my head was? I mean, this is a, for a lot of this team the first full time professional environment they've been in. Is this a question of there's a degree of competitive niggle that within the team that you know staff or players use to to lift their game that other players aren't used to? Is that something that could be causing friction let's just go and say it and blame the americans because they're the, usually the root cause of uh world's issues <laughs> yep gun violence that's the problem wow wow that's some that's some slinging some stones there bro <laughs> and high fructose corn syrup <laughs> yeah I, like, I, thanks everyone good night i mean it's it's hard it's it's, it's hard to know really right like yeah, in the best of times, it's hard to keep a team of you know twenty five people happy in any work environment, um, let alone one that you know you probably feel you're well underpaid and underappreciated. So it's feeling very specific, Dale. <laughs> um, and I don't want to you know dismiss Chloe's concerns because it's because you know you should do what makes you happy, and if something doesn't make you happy, and you've got the choice to move on fair play to you go for it yeah so it's it's really hard just to know where the blame or allegation is because it could be you know on a scale from very you know minor to you know like oh, i'm not getting enough game time or my friend's not getting enough game time versus you know bullying or yeah there's 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 a lots of continuum in there it feels like lots of people are getting potentially you know painted with a bad brush with because it's it's quite vague that it could be anyone you know like so i feel like you know people are probably getting you know accused of of who knows what um so it's it's very hard for me to kind of sort through it all um so i i just hope you know she you know she doesn't she's happy with you know her decision and moving on like obviously she seems like she's got a pretty good career lined up as a psychologist so um, I, I suspect she probably earns more than uh dollars for a um, you know, six months work or whatever it is at the A-League. So I hope she finds her, you know, calling in life or, or um, whatever that makes her happy. Cam, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Is this just just things that happen in a competitive environment? Is this, is you know, is this the sort of thing that we won't even be thinking about in a week's time? 
honestly, all I'm going to say is good luck to her. I hope she has a great life and you know, she finds happiness with whatever she chooses to do. Don't really want to comment on what's going on in the squad. That is a deliciously straight bat. Ultimately, it's none of our business. Like, whatever's actually happened in there, it's none of my business. And you guys can speculate all you like. That's absolutely fine. But uh, no, I'm not going to. I think, Cam, I think Cam's been watching the Test match uh, cricket that's on at the moment. Yeah, because that, that that is a bat sponsor's dream. Just saying, I would have timed out that dude in the World Cup. I would have. So, yeah. And if you handle the ball twice, you if you handle the ball as a batsman, you deserve to go, especially when they're giving you a warning. So It, yeah. it really shows the evolution of the uh, A-League women's when we've finally got mutual terminations going, though. Like, it's, oh, uh, you know, true. it's, a, it's, a, it's a quality with... Not financially, but uh, contractually, we've we've got made equality. Yeah, mutual terminates and outside the window is quite the the A League thing. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, is it really an A League mutual though? And if they don't announce with another club within like five minutes, <laughs> like it's not quite right, is it? It doesn't really fulfil the vibe. <laughs> no, we should add that you know there's no chance of her going off to play for Auckland because then the uh, women's team aren't playing next year. It's the year after. Um, which is which is kind of a shame. It would be, it would be good if she could go and play for Auckland, and the financial issues would be lessened, and she's you know maybe could have her cake and eat it too. The game coming up for the uh, women's team also uh, back home uh, at Jerry Collins, not at uh, Sky Stadium. Um, that is on the Sunday. They are playing against Melbourne Victory. This is an interesting matchup, isn't it? Um, Obviously, a couple of injuries with Wiz and Van der Meer out, not retired. Um, I'm assuming Macy Fraser is back, though. I'm assuming it's not a long-term illness. Have we heard anything otherwise? I, w- I would assume she's still available to start. We do have a couple of players making a long trek back from South America. Um, Barry, um, for one. Central uh, America? Uh, Colombia is in South yes, America, it. buddy. Mm. <laughs> Colombia is in South America, buddy. Oh, man. <laughs> I thought they played in CONCACAF. Jesus Christ. Wow. Colum- oh, man. Well, yep. geez, no. They are combative. They qualify through South America. There's 10 teams in South America. The only two countries in South America that don't play in South America playing CONCACAF are Guyana and Suriname. Jesus wept. Um, I don't mind being a geek, man. I'm quite happily admit it. But calling Colombia Central America is a shocker. Great. Um, back to victory versus the the uh, Knicks. This is third versus fourth. Uh, two points between it. Same goal difference even. Um, this has the makings of a bit of a tight tussle. It may end up having a fair bearing on the rest of the season. How do we see this going? Victory have been going pretty well. Three wins out of the last five. A draw and a loss in there as well. Um, and we have been tracking along nicely probably fairly similarly is this kind of uh, an important important game for the season or is this just a standard i mean it's it's important in the sense that if we win it we'll uh have a bit of a kick on fourth place you know it'll put us you know five points ahead probably which is which is quite a nice buffer to have this early in the season also important that i think uh melbourne city and perth the two teams above us are playing each other as well so there's a chance of um jumping up into second i i noticed I think Perth have got to play, have quite a tough run at, 
uh, this next few games. So um, they might come in more towards the middle of the pack. So there's definitely an opportunity for us to sort of branch and really secure ourselves in that sort of top two to three uh, the next couple of weeks. So even even I think a draw, you'd be pretty content with, I think. Uh, I don't think yeah, but obviously a, a win would be nice. You mentioned Perth. They've got Melbourne City next, then Sydney, then Western United, then the Mariners and Wanderers. Uh, so a couple of tough games in there, but um, obviously the Wanderers probably not going to test them particularly. Um, it, it, how do you guys see this game going? Is this is this kind of like a any points out of this game is good, or is this kind of a three pointer? I, th- I think with the, with the travel factor of um, you know, a couple of players coming back, I think the question is really do they play or not whether they're able to be played because you know if we if we're missing you know foster left back and barry then it starts to get pretty thin thin on the ground um we can't really afford to have mckenzie barry out can we with vandermeer not being there surely she's someone that no, has I to come back and mckenzie barry will have to start yeah. otherwise yeah we don't have the depth i see i see this being more of a more of a draw to be honest i honestly I can i see these two teams being relatively even and cancelling each other out in this game um I don't, um, and I think a point against the victory would be a good point. They're always up the top. They're always um, fighting out within the playoffs. So it's as we talked about the barometer from earlier in the uh, pod from Dale. I think this is a great barometer for these guys this season too. Yeah, that's fair. I I I struggle to believe that Temps is even going to contemplate that. He does play a very aggressive style of football. I see it kind of going one way or the other. Um, how about you, Dave? Yeah, I mean, I, I think any points out of this is is a good result. You've got a lot of stuff kind of uh, outside of this particular team affecting this. You know, you've got that international travel. You've got a couple of players out. You've got some injuries to deal with. I think in some ways, um, much as you say, temps won't be talking that way. I think you look at this as a bit of a reset. This is this is a consolidate kind of week where it's like, you know what? We actually just need to get ourselves grounded again, get some football um, and, you know, try and try and play well so i think i think any points are going to be good here but i'm sure that won't be the way temps approaches it but i think as a fan we come out of this with anything i think you see that as a good result and you keep building again from whatever base you manage to set here uh, whether that be with some some new players coming in maybe it maybe absolutely blow the victory away here you know you, you have to blood a few new players and and they go gangbusters you know you build from that so um that's how i will view it as this is very much kind of a bit of a reset consolidate kind of week um and hopefully it goes well that is some relentless optimism thank you dave um sometimes it must be infectious from cam uh i've just noticed that we've ticked over the hour mark and dale needs to go to bed so we'll wrap it up there just a reminder that the uh, men's team are playing at 7 30 at sky stadium on saturday and the women's team are playing at four o'clock at Jerry Collins Stadium on Sunday. Uh, Please get along if you can. Um, You may see the appearance of Helena at the women's game, I believe. Um, Please wave at her. You won't recognize her, but just wave at random people. It's always fun. Um, thanks for listening. Um, hopefully we're back with another six points and seeing the Knicks uh, men's at the top and the women's team getting close to joining them. Those are my relentless optimistic thoughts for the day. Thanks for listening. Bye.